So Delinda Grindle, welcome to the journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let me just first explain a little bit about what the journey is. And the journey is um, a show that is basically about uh, transformation, about the idea of how do we uh, fail forward? How do we recreate ourselves when we have obstacles in our life? Um, what do we um, what do we do with those? And then how do we um, uh, move through those? How do the how there's opportunity within the obstacle? Um, so. Uh, so welcome, and uh, and obviously we've known each other for uh, for a long time, uh, and uh, so let's see, Diane and I've been together since '92, so we we've known each other since then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but if just for the listeners, if uh, if you were going to describe like what do you do for fun, what what does Delinda do for fun? Delinda loves to garden outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've been an avid gardener for oh gosh, probably in my when we bought our home, Rob and I bought our home, so probably 35 years. Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of landscaping work outside. I enjoy being outside in nature because I feel that it brings me the closest to my God, and um, I find peace and calmness in that, and any worries or concerns or just even things that I've had to deal with at work become just kind of rest inside me and I can let all that go mm-hmm. when I'm out in nature. And I love to hike and be um, on walks and again, just out listening to creation and it, it calms my soul, feeds sure. my soul. Sure. And tell us a little bit about, tell the audience a little bit about, um, you know, that's what you do for fun. And that's obviously also talks about the spiritual part of who you are. But then um, what do you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what what do you do, um, who you are as a person, what do you do? Who I am as a person? Okay. Well, I'm a grief counselor by profession. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I've been in grief work for probably 15 years Mm -hmm. about that. Um, I think that God has always directed, when I look back, you know, uh, 25 years ago when the journey started, um, I've been able to see how God's worked through that and where he's led me today. Um, I hope that I use the skills that he's gifted me with, that I feel he's gifted me with, um, that compassion to walk alongside and companion people in loss. And loss doesn't mean just death either. Loss can be caregivers of um, clients with terminal illnesses, they could be the clients themselves with the illness, mm-hmm. um, any life transition. Right. Which kind of is what we're seeing happening right now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're seeing a lot of grief just over um, our, our daily lives have been changed and, and people struggling with some people not being able to have a, have a job right now. They're unemployed, mm-hmm. um, either furloughed or just not able or not able to go to school. Um, or, or if they are able to work, they're working in, in an alternate, alternate type, an alternated type schedule, you know, mm-hmm. an alternative type schedule. And so, um, so there is a lot of change where, in that change that may be perceived as, as a loss. Right. Right. Um, but, but before we kind of jump into like today, um, so why don't you tell, tell us the story about how you got into grief work. And, and I know that's a, that's a a pretty powerful story. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I'm married to Rob Grindle. We've been together since we were 17 and about 23 years ago on December 23rd, um, our niece on his side. So it would be his sister, Sue's daughter, Um, they were dairy farmers in Davis and, um, they were out milking their cows and their farmhouse caught on fire. 
and they went in to try. They had two children, Casey and Roxanne, and they um, tried to save their children, but they were unable to. So both of their children, um, well, Casey actually was brought out by a fireman, but had passed away due to smoke inhalation, and Roxanne did not come out of um, the the home. So um, Ricky and Rod lost both of their children that Christmas. Um, it was my very first experience on death, and I would say traumatic death, mm-hmm. with the loss of two children. And so, and the Grindle family, and, and I grew up in a very faith, faith-based faith families, um, so that was, you know, in that journey too. But I also saw an extended family struggle, and I also struggled myself at that time trying to understand, you know, why this happened. And the interesting thing was I was, um, when we, Rob and I received the call, we were out uh, eating dinner with some good friends of ours from church, and um, Linda's always been a good friend of mine and, and helped walk me kind of through my grief process, too. And one time I remember having lunch with her, and I said, you know, I just don't understand how God could allow this to happen. And he said, well, um, why not? Mm-hmm. Because, and not that God allowed it to happen, but, you know, why was it happening to us and our family? And she says, well, why not? Because what makes you any different than anyone else that goes through tragedy? And that just really struck me and hit home with me. So then at that point, um, it was, I don't even remember how I got introduced to Dr. Wolfelt, mm-hmm. who um, runs the Center for Loss and Life Transition out in um, Colorado, Fort Collins. But at that point, I decided, well, I think I'm going to go out and take one of his classes. Mm-hmm. So one of his classes lasts a week out there, and you pay for it, and you pay for your stay. And you can work towards a certificate in grief and death studies. So I thought, well, I'm going to go out, and I need to just understand my own grief at that point. So I went with another friend from church for the first time out there. And um, it was just transforming for me. Mm -hmm. Um, His center is in the foothills. And so as he taught us, you know, and I apologize, I can't remember the exact class because it's Mm -hmm. been so long ago, but... As he was teaching, then we would have moments of contemplation and times to sit out and just really look at ourselves and how the losses that we've experienced have changed us. Mm -hmm. Because when someone passes away in your life, your life has changed forever Mm -hmm. because it will never be the same. And then um, just how are you going to walk through this grief and how are you going to heal from this loss? And so... That was when my journey began many years ago. And so at that time with Dr. Wolfelt, because the program hadn't become real popular at the time, so then we were allowed to like go back class after class mm-hmm. so I could get certified within two years. It might have even been a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't think you can do that. It, it, he, it takes more time to sure. get certified. So, um, so that was the beginning of the journey. And then since then, um, I've had real significant losses throughout my life. More recently, my dad, and um, that was a real struggle for me with my dad. So, um, and how do I grieve that loss and still be a grief counselor to others and be supportive um, for them? But I think as I look at that, 
um, journey. I think my clients helped me, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. They were a blessing to me in that journey, too. And so, um, but also a part of my journey um, since I got certified and got my licensed clinical social worker mm-hmm. degree and licensing um, in 2000 and let's say, I think 2011, 2010, Tom Fitzgerald's at Fitzgerald's funeral home knew that I studied under Dr. Wolfelt and wanted to know, um, if I would be open to starting an aftercare program for Fitzgerald's funeral home here in Rockford. And I was actually kind of caught off guard. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I said, sure. And I didn't know what this program was going to look like because I had to make it um, from ground floor up with uh, another worker there, Brenda, at the time. And so we spent a year writing the program. And part of the program is doing mailings throughout the year to support the family at specific um, interval times. The other time is to provide grief support services for the families for a year Mm -hmm. after the funeral. So we wrote the program in 2010 and launched it in 2011. And so I work part-time there and direct. I'm a director of that program and then provide the support services to families there. So that has been just tremendous for me, too, because it's a little bit different than working here at KP mm-hmm. Counseling mm-hmm. in a clinical setting, so yeah. very too different. Um, and then another door opened, and um, I do some volunteer grief counseling for the Haven Network here in Rockford, Illinois, which is a beautiful non-for-profit organization that supports families who lose babies and children. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've been doing that, I think, four years now with them, four or five, Mm -hmm. and I sit on the board of directors there. And so that's, you know, kind of came in my journey and my pathway. And then teaching at the Mm -hmm. woman's space kind of fell into place there too so so i want to kind of go back and have you kind of maybe explain a little bit about uh you use the word traumatic um traumatic death and and so if you could just for the people listening what's what's what defines what qualifies as a traumatic death or what would be an example of what that would be versus Mm -hmm. Uh, a non-traumatic death, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Um, The reason I called it traumatic death was for two reasons. One was the circumstances surrounding the death, be it the fire, Mm -hmm. and then the fact that they were children too. But traumatic deaths in the work that I do, and as I look at her, things like um, homicide, suicide, um, even car accidents Mm -hmm. can be traumatic. If I, I think if we kind of look at it in general, almost any loss is traumatic mm-hmm. to the person. Right. But certain circumstances would surround mm-hmm. them to make them well, believe well, traumatic. And, and specifically, right, if it mm-hmm. happens to be a sudden yes. or if there's some level of, of, of violence or some level of, uh, of, you know, because it could be natural causes. or um, Natural disasters yes. could be another um, traumatic death. So there's sure. this element of, uh, it, it, you know, when someone is, uh, not that cancer isn't traumatic, but we, we see this process unfolding and that would not necessarily qualify as traumatic 
traumatic death compared to like a drowning or, you know, like you said, some other type of accident. Yeah. And almost, I would almost categorize COVID-19 as tragic too, because of the fact that it's a virus that came upon us so quickly that doesn't have a, or did not have um, a vaccine or anything for it. And so, and the numbers of death have been increasing. Yeah you know, daily or weekly. And so there's tragedy that comes into a pandemic like yeah. this too. And usually, and I, I learned this from you, is that with traumatic death then comes complicated grief. Yes. And and maybe share a little bit about uh, the term complicated grief. Mm-hmm. Um, complicated grief is when there's, can be multiple losses at one time, mm-hmm. can be complicated. The circumstances again surrounding the loss as what we're experiencing now. To and the thing that can make grief complicated, especially if we look at just COVID-19, is which I experience with my own clients, is that when there's such significant loss occurring now, and we're seeing it unfold on the media daily, mm-hmm. actually every hour you can watch it. Mm-hmm. And so what people are experiencing is then they're watching the suffering in the world happening and these people experiencing losses in their family. So sometimes what that can do to make our grief complicated then is that it's bringing up past losses too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's almost like we're journeying through all the losses in our own life Mm -hmm. and the current loss that's going on and the fear of what if this COVID-19 hits our close family and we have to, you know, deal with that too. Um, I guess there's also many other factors that can make grief complicated Mm -hmm. too. If I'm, have let's say if I've lost my husband and I have different illnesses going on or mm-hmm. um, I'm dealing with cancer myself mm-hmm. that can make grief complicated right. too so you know you'd said something about how um, obviously with with um, the kids dying mm-hmm. th- that was some complicated grieving and 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 then also I, I clearly remember that time period. It, it was we not that not that there's ever a formula that we use. Mm-hmm. We're always making it up as we're going along, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you had an opportunity to go out and study with Dr. Wolford, you it sounds like they were bringing you through the journey of your own healing, mm-hmm. even though you were going there to learn. It was it was that piece of it. And when Don died, your dad died it was almost the exact opposite of that you yes you took off so a little bit of time off of work um but within a couple weeks of afterwards you were back working Mm -hmm. and as you said it was complicated because you are now uh you're now being the grief counselor to walk someone through their grief as you're very much walking through your own correct Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that was an element of uh, that could complicate it. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, as we know, and, and all therapists um, that are walking this journey know, is that there there is no doubt that, you know, we we serve our clients, but we also um, like with anybody, if you're walking with them, you also get things from your interactions with our clients, you know, and, um, and sometimes it's a reminder, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, of, um, something we already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just need to be reminded of that. If you think back, um, of that time period, what would be something that, 
that if there's anything that stands out to you that you indirectly got from one of your clients during that time of your own, that, that phase of your healing? Mm -hmm. Probably hope. Mm. I think that the thing that's been so helpful for me is that, um, well, since I've known you for such a long time Mm. and, um, I kind of look to you as, um, my sounding board, Mm. um, Throughout the years, I remember one time you said to me, and maybe you can refresh my memory about uh, when it was, but it's been a while, when you told me to just kind of to step aside and allow myself to be that open vessel through Mm -hmm. whom God can work through, Mm -hmm. um, then he will use you the best in your journey and wherever your journey takes you. Mm -hmm. I remember you telling me that. And... The fact that I've learned from you, too, just that whole self-care and self-exploration, you know, self-discovery. And to do that, you have to take time to do that. Mm -hmm. And as you and I know, that's always been a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. And so, but you've always been present in my life, companioning me like I companion other people. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was with my clients at the time after my dad passed away, too, I just kind of reminded myself you're their companion mm-hmm. in this part of their life's journey. And that, you know, just be still and um, listen. As you and I have talked to, um, I think there's an art to listening. Mm-hmm. That as social workers and therapists in general, I think we're honing that every day too. But just to be open and listen to what they have to share. My clients have been my greatest teachers mm-hmm. for me. I pretty much have learned to set myself aside, not to go with an agenda into mm-hmm. each session, but just be mm-hmm. and be with them. And they've taught me so much too. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, if it's through my groups or individually come in and tell me, I can't imagine my broken heart's ever going to heal. And I can't imagine my life without this person or these people. And then to look at them months later is remarkable, Mm -hmm. you know. And we'll go back and I'll say, let's reflect on what journey you've been through. Did you ever think you'd be here? And they're like, no, (laughs) I I never thought it would get to this place. And they're continuing to grow and heal too. And I have a pleasure now of running... um, it's called Explore. It's a woman's group of women that have been with me now for probably three years. Mm-hmm. Most are spouse loss. One is um, a son and a twin sister. And um, they just teach me so much. And it's they're there for each other and have that support. So I'd say hope. I really like to give a message of hope to everyone. It's an active process that we do, so we mm-hmm. have to be mindful right. to find hope. And um, I think another thing my clients brought, th- um, gave to me during that time too, and continue is just gratefulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gratefulness to be a part of their life and them to be a part of mine for whatever time that may be. Right. You know? I I think, and I do think it's an ongoing, uh, ongoing aspect, right? So that's, you know. Um, we've talked about this numerous times is that you know there are there are times when that sadness wells up in me as I think about Don um, and and there are more days when that I'm not sad about 
and it's not that I'm glad that he's passing, but I don't have that overwhelming sadness that was like daily initially. Now, when it comes, it comes pretty intensely still. Um, but I do know that it's going to, um, uh, kind of go down, right? It's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to, it goes from a boiling down back down to a simmer, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and there's certain things that'll trigger it, you know, um, more so than others. And I imagine, um, you've, you've had some of the similar types and we've talked about, especially if we're up at the lake or, or mm-hmm. wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and, and touch on something you said earlier. And these are not your words. These are my words. So feel free to disagree or, or okay. point something out. <laughs> but it, it was, and I heard this concept and it, that's why it caught my attention when I was listening to a podcast re- recently that you went through when you were having breakfast with Linda, um, you, you went through a, a period where God was dead to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or maybe more importantly, there was a deconstruction of God as you knew him up to that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean God is dead, but the concept of God as you understood him mm-hmm. to be, tell us a little bit about what that, what was, what was that? What was that like, and what was um, what was some of the driving points with that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that just, and I know many people struggle with this too, is when you're brought up in a home that's faith-based, and prayer has always been a big part of that. And um, I think when that tragedy struck, it kind of caught, I guess I just my faith wasn't as strong as I thought it was, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. And Mm -hmm. I think it took Linda saying something to me and then watching her own faith journey to now really dive into my relationship with God Mm -hmm. or with Christ, you know, that that's what was important was my relationship with Mm him, not, uh, and I don't think I had that even though I grew up in a Mm faith-based home. Mm -hmm. I don't think I had that personal relationship Mm -hmm. as deep as I thought I did. And now I was... Um, you know, challenging it, and I didn't know if I should mm-hmm. challenge it. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of started my own self-discovery of who I was as a faith-based individual, what mm-hmm. my values and morals were. And I, I'm on that journey still, and I'll always be on that journey mm-hmm. until the day I'm no longer here either. And the one thing that I've learned through all this journey, too, is to always just rely on him and invite him into my day mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. life. And you, you said something and we were, I was, I was listening to some stuff and I've, and I've talked about this before and, and Dalton and I were just recently talking about this again was that I think one of the things that happens when we lose, um, when a loved one dies or someone close to us dies, or we have something that's going on right now is that we may have been able to, I'll speak for myself. I I know that I had a concept in my mind that God, the church, which was the vehicle of learning about God, was a transactional God. Mm -hmm. It was like Santa Claus, right? Mm -hmm. So if I did certain things, Mm -hmm. right, then I'd be on the good list. Mm -hmm. And then I'd get things that are that little boys get on the good list. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And then if I don't do those things, so if I don't do something or do these other things, then I'll be on the bad list 
coal and all the things that go along with that, or I guess that would also be considered hell, right? That, that there was a very much, there was this arrangement that I, that I could control the outcome Mm -hmm. if I just did certain things. Mm -hmm. And then something happens, right? That's bigger than that. Mm -hmm. The death of the kids, Mm -hmm. the death of Don. Mm -hmm is 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 bigger than that transactional model or if i keep the model then it's why did god do this Mm -hmm. why was i not why were we not spared from this you've run the homicide support group Mm -hmm. and and they they thought that they were not going to be that family because they did all the right Right things things. on the good list Mm -hmm. and homicide still happened Mm -hmm. to their to their son Mm-hmm. to their loved one mm-hmm. uh, to their daughter mm-hmm. so I, I think what i heard you say is that what you learned through going out out to colorado with dr wolford and going through that process that god was a transformational god mm-hmm. that the guy that you've now know now experience is more transformational than transactional that doesn't mean we don't slip back into it, right? Right, mm-hmm. especially in good times, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, when things are running smoothly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or, or, or even default to it to try to try to change the circumstance in the initial stages mm-hmm. of of change. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to that transactional because then I think I can control it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I threw a bunch of stuff out there, but what what are your thoughts about? Well, one thing I think that I've learned to accept, too, is that if anyone can shoulder me being angry at them, it's God. Mm-hmm. And I try to share that with my clients, that those that have that basis, faith basis, that it's okay to be angry. Mm-hmm. It's natural to be angry. It's natural It's natural to, to ask the whys, mm-hmm. you know, and question. Um, that's part of our human nature. Mm-hmm. And, and then the thing is just to continue searching whatever emotions we're experiencing it's it's sitting with them and being mm-hmm. with those emotions in grief and identifying them if we can and allowing ourselves to to feel them and that's how we transform mm-hmm. i mean if we were to sh- to push everything down inside us and never talk about our losses um how would we transform mm-hmm because we're covering them up with whatever else we're being busy with, mm-hmm. too. And so you have to take that time to be still and allow yourself to feel, you know, and be mindful of what's happening. I've always tell people it's a balance. I need time to be with me, and I need time to be with others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's being with me is where transformation is going to be present and being with others is where transformation is right. going to be present. So it's a balance of both or yeah. combination of both. You know, in, in speaking of like right now, right. With, with everything going on with the COVID-19, that busyness mm-hmm. that we normally will do, mm-hmm. right. Our normal routine of busyness is getting totally upside down, totally disrupted. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that we can't be busy around our house, right? We can still distract ourselves, but our normal just going to the store just to go shopping, just go shopping, those stores are closed. Or I'll just go out to eat or I'll just run over to a friend's house or whatever. Those things are now taken and in that in that the normal 
medication or, or um, anesthetizer of busyness is is being disrupted, mm-hmm. and so a bunch of feelings may be coming oh. up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and let alone, like you said, people watching the TV, and then that's you know just bringing up more and more uh, fear. Or in my case, it, it's been there's been an element of anxiousness with it, and it an uncertainty aspect. But then there's a sadness and the heaviness of the sadness that's been that's been going on. So. Tell us a little bit about like right now. I mean, I know here at the office, right? We mm-hmm. we're we're fortunate that we can still do our work mm-hmm. digitally. I mean, right. some of us are still coming physically to the office and working out of our offices there, and but the majority of the therapists are working from from their homes, mm-hmm. um, for a handful of different reasons why that is. But um, but we're still able to do it through the digital counseling. Still be able to be there which for me is totally different, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, I'm, a, I, I pick up on energy from people. people. It's, mm-hmm. and I'm getting better at it, you know, being able to do the same thing now, either on the phone or, or through being more open to it. Um, but it's different. Mm-hmm. And, um, but how is this time period complicating the grieving process unlike any other time that, that I've ever been aware of. Mm-hmm. How, so if someone, a loved one passes now, mm-hmm. a significant other passes now, um, how, is, how is this time period causing a complicated grief? Um, well, the problem is now that we, they can't have funerals. You know, They can have um, like a family gathering because it has to be 10 people. Um, so what's happening is it's really, I think, in, to some degree, is delaying the grief process because the purpose of a funeral, um, visitation, memorial service, celebration of life, whatever mm-hmm. we call it, is acknowledging the loss or death of that person. And really, it those um, gatherings are opening the doors for the grief process to begin because what we're actually doing is saying goodbye to the physical body mm-hmm. and allowing ourselves then to open ourselves up to this grieving process of which now this person is one of memory. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we can't control COVID-19. The mm-hmm. funeral homes can't control you know, what they're required to do by the state. But the one thing I hope that people will realize that they have the opportunity to do is one, to spend time with the person who passed away, to spend time with the body, mm-hmm. if it's in a group of you know ten or less, um, to take that time and spend that time with the person. The beauty, I guess, if I just say beauty and tragedy, is our technology, mm-hmm. because we can still, um, you know, they some places maybe some funeral homes more than others can do things via video now or mm-hmm. digital yeah. as we're experiencing in counseling um but also let's say you and i have a family loss during this time mm-hmm. but you and i could connect via um we could facetime mm-hmm. zoom whatever other programs are out there and we could still honor our loved one we could mm-hmm. light a candle together we could share a memory together we could pick out you know, verses that might mean something, play music. Mm -hmm. So we can still honor our loved one, even though we can't gather in a funeral Mm -hmm. or celebration of life service. And the fact that, um, again, 
that creates us to mourn, right? It's allowing us to mourn presently, so mm-hmm. we're not postponing the mourning right. process. Plus then later, we can gather as a larger community mm-hmm. to honor that that loved one too. Um, the thing I like about like Fitzgerald's Funeral Home too is they have where you can post online condolences. Mm. So families, if if we as a community would do that for families that we know that have had loved ones that have passed away, then they're reading those condolences mm-hmm. and they're um, they're seeing the ways in which others are honoring the mm-hmm. loss of their loved one too. Same as texting someone or mm-hmm. emailing them. You know, we have so much at our hands that we can provide support to these families even though, you know, they can't have the larger funeral. As I always, t- when I'm talking to, as I continue to talk to families too or individuals, I do remind them, though, that at this time with a pandemic and a personal loss, all your emotions are going to be heightened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're going to feel very strong, very intense. Um, one of the natural expressions I think of a lot is agony. You know how you have can have that agony inside of you, that pain that's so painful? <laughs> you and I probably couldn't even describe it to each mm-hmm. other, even though we right. know each other well. Yeah, yeah. I can't put words to that. Like a deep, so. deep aching. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, as you were talking earlier, you know, about your feelings lessening too, I always, I use that word soften because I'm trying to think of something someone could visualize, like I think of a soft blanket or something. Mm -hmm. Those emotions will eventually start to soften Mm -hmm. as we journey through our grief Mm -hmm. too. So hopefully for them to remember that at this time too, the, what you're feeling, the intensity now isn't always going to be present. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That it does start to soften as we intentionally take our journey through grief right. and mourning. But um, it's been a, I think it's a challenge for the funeral homes. Yeah. You know, the directors I work with who are so compassionate and have, I feel, have done such a good job walking alongside families at a time that is so difficult to do mm-hmm. when you're limited, you know, when other people, um, are limiting you do you mm-hmm. see again out of our control right, right. to do but well and i think that is I, I, i'm glad you give you were given some suggestions because i think it's easy in in the midst of grief anyways it's easy to uh be angry mm-hmm. about something that i can't control mm-hmm. right and and so it's it's easy to just recognize that I'm, I'm mad because some something else got taken from me mm-hmm. i can't even you know and in this so not only has my loved one died but now i can't even do what i normally or what we even plan to do or whatever may be going on and so i think this idea that anger may be the emotion that we're feeling but what's possibly underneath the anger mm-hmm. maybe that sadness mm-hmm Maybe that a fear, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe there's other things that are going and anger is just, you know, on the surface and, and, and I can stay there. I can, I can hang on to that and I can be angry at, I don't know, angry at the government, angry at mm-hmm. the, you know, angry at the funeral home itself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's another one of those transactional things. Why is this? Why did this happen to me at this time? Why did this happen to my loved one at this mm-hmm. time? And recognizing um, it just happened to be this time. 
Yeah. And I think that, you know, anger is a very challenging emotion if you think about it, too. Um, Because normally when we, if I get angry and I'm not finding a way to release that, if it's writing about it, talking about it, who do you think is going to get the blunt of my anger? Sure. Probably those that I love or I'm with the most. Or like you said just earlier, too, Kevin, you know, you maybe become mad at the funeral director of the funeral home, which they can't, they can't control this either. Right. You know, and so um, I think it's really important to spend to challenge ourselves to spend time with our emotions as we're going through this COVID nineteen. Um, if we're dealing with loss, physical loss, and not able to have a funeral, um, it's been interesting. I had someone say to me the other day, "You seem so calm mm-hmm. through this," and I said, "Well, I'm really not an anxious person to begin with, or worry, but." I want to go back to hope that we mentioned earlier when we were talking, um, because I think hope is an active process that we go through. And that's what I have to live with mm-hmm. hope, hope that we will get through this hope that our, that we're becoming a stronger, mm-hmm. right? We're becoming stronger as KP counseling. Um, we're becoming stronger in our families, in our community, in our world. I hope that's what's happening mm-hmm. with us. I hope that we're all taking the time to discover who we really are as people. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty to me is it's slowed me down enough now to really spend time and think about, you know, how um, I can grow as a person. And then how do I provide hope to other people? If it's through a text, an email, dropping a plant off at a door, smiling at somebody, mm-hmm. buying the guy behind me a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you know, play it forward is that what they always call it before um so hope it to me is what sustains me and i have to remember that and i have to find ways that i can provide hope for Mm -hmm. other people Mm -hmm. because i think that's what gives us calmness wouldn't you say yeah it's our hope and well i think the hope is recognizing you know we were i wrote something yesterday and earlier i was talking about it is, is this i idea that with every winter right no matter how harsh it is we know that there is at some point there's going to be a spring Mm -hmm. now it may not be you know exactly what i picture it to be but i know it isn't the same harshness of of the depths of the winter right Mm -hmm. and in and maybe it'll be more than I've ever expected. Maybe it won't be what I expected. Um, but I do know that it's going to shift and it's going to change. And then it's going to change <laughs> and go back to the seasons of, of the summer and then the fall. And then we'll be back in winter again. Mm-hmm. And and not that saying one is good and one is bad, that they're all part of it. And I think that is, you know, like when we see those aspects of um, if the kids wouldn't have died Mm -hmm. and if they wouldn't have died the way they died would you've ever gone out and sought to be a grief counselor no and how many people have you been able to help and companion through now again if we have a transactional model that we work with then they had to die so that you could do this Mm -hmm. or as a result of them dying and what you did with that is you transformed into maybe what your calling was all along, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's it's hard for me to get my head wrapped around, 
you know, that transformation is literally a different way of looking at things. It's a different perspective, a mm -hmm. different perception mm -hmm. of looking at things. Um, and I think that is the, also the opportunity that we have with all this going on. Um, I know that, you know, there is going to be more suffering and more tragedy before the spring comes with this. Um, but I believe it'll come, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I think that hope, remembering that and remembering um, that our role right now, we're asked to walk people through this, mm -hmm. walk with them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's literally, as we've talked all the time, we're literally walking it, you know, learning how to do digital counseling, mm -hmm. like in hours, <laughs> right? We had no training to do yeah, this, right? No. And and just figuring it out as we go along, yeah. right? And um, and and knowing that we're going to get better at it as time goes on. How do we get messages out to people to give them hope? Um, but it starts with us doing our own journey first. Yeah. And you know what? I think that um, one thing I've learned to, I call it life review. So, you know, I've been very aware of how blessed I've been to be doing the work I do. And so I've taken that time to do a life review. So I've literally gone back to when the kids passed away. If you kind of view a timeline, mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of how you could visualize it. And literally put down everything that's happened in my journey so far. It's the threat. It's amazing to see how the thread is mm -hmm. woven into the tapestry of my life to be where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. And I still do get amazed when other doors open. I don't know why, mm -hmm. because <laughs> I shouldn't write, but sure. I always am. And um, hopefully I can just continue to do the work that I'm so passionate about doing until I no longer can do it. Mm -hmm. and, but the transformation's been remarkable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I was a really good writer, I'd write a book. It would mm -hmm. be awesome, but... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that will be the next step. Maybe that'll be the, maybe that'll be the next opportunity. Yeah. yeah. But life review, I encourage anyone to do that, especially mm -hmm. this time too yeah. during the pandemic, because mm -hmm. I think um, the pandemic and loss and grief mm -hmm. overshadow sometimes the beauty of our own life. And if we take time to go back and look, we could really probably see um, how grateful we are for the life that we've lived. You know. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And I, and having insight of, of your journey, because we, because we spend so much time together. Um, uh, I know that that is a big part of what you, you're not just talking it, but you, you do it. Mm -hmm. So as we wrapping up for today, what would be one thing that you would want the listeners to, to know? What would be, if there's one thing that you would want to share with them or have them, um, uh, end this, end this conversation with mm -hmm. I would hope that, there you go, hope. I hope that they have um, hope. I hope that they take this time to, I always say, love on the people you love them, you mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. um, spend some time in reflection to see just how is this changing yourself, you as a person? How are you being transformed through this? Mm -hmm. um, what are you grateful for through this journey? Um, what new life will it stem in you? Mm -hmm. All right. And to be the light in the darkness, because I think that that's what we are, Kevin. No yeah. matter who we are and what jobs we have, 
we're the light in people's darkness. And I think we've seen that through this pandemic, by the way, people are touching the lives of others. So I love your thing. Just, I always try to think of a flame Mm -hmm. or a light at all times. And so hopefully then we all can be effective during this. All right. Well, thank you, Donda. Thank, thank you for you being Kevin. here. And, uh, and thanks for just jumping on, uh, oh. <laughs> as <laughs> we had welcome. a conversation yesterday. So <laughs> you're welcome. So, uh, thank you very much for being with us today. And as Delinda has talked about, um, that, uh, the tragedy that impacted her family and impacted her life, um, it had then sprung the opportunity to, um, change, uh, it forced them the change of the model of how she saw God from a transactional to a transformational. And then through that transformation, um, it became a completely different relationship. I think the idea of, um, in time, um, purpose will reveal itself in that pain. And, um, and that no matter how dark it may be for you right now, um, know that we have to go through this period, but there will be um, uh, an opportunity for transformation to come. Looking forward to be with you again next week.